Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. So we're continuing our study in Mark, and we're, we're currently looking at how Jesus had no ordinary followers. And, and what, is it, what does that mean for us to be a no ordinary follower? And I was, I was thinking, you know, so today we're looking at childlike faith. Last week I took my son. My older boys went and saw Space Jam, um, but they didn't want dad in the theater with them and their buddies. Um, so I took my youngest son, Ezra, really wanted to go. So he, he, he had a, did not, was not in a, he just was sad that he was being left out. So I asked my oldest, I said, hey, is it cool if, um, if Ezra and I just sit like way behind you guys? He goes, well, you might as well sit right next to me at that point. I said, okay, uh, then we won't come to your theater. Um, and so I got Ezra, to, Ezra and I went and saw it at a different movie theater. You're like, why are you caving in? You know, you got to. Actually, this goes totally against everything what I'm going to preach in a little bit, but either way, this is my opening story. Um, so I took Ezra. We went to AMC over Arrowhead. And as I'm walking in the parking lot, all of a sudden, and we take just a couple steps, all of a sudden his little hand sneaks into my hand. And it's just you, you forget that. I mean, I don't know. Some of you aren't dads. Some of you aren't, you don't have little kids. But there's just a moment where there's that, that you know that there's a reason he grabs your hand. There's that moment of he's, he's got this faith, this trust, like, Dad, you're leading me. Dad, I'm going with you. Dad, it's dark outside. Dad, I don't want to walk alone. Dad, are you going to be there? And that was that moment. And I'm walking there with my son. And I can't tell you how it was like a special moment because he's eight. He's getting older. Like, dads start to not be as cool at some point. But I'm walking with him in hand, and I savored that moment. I realized how much he trusted me in that moment, how he was willing to follow me. It was a reminder of my need to trust God, my need to depend on God. You see, the more we trust ourselves, the more we begin to stumble. But the more we trust him, the easier it is to follow. Here's the big thing I want us to get. It's in our dependence that we become a true follower of Jesus. It's, it's in that dependence that we become that follower. And this week we're looking at what does that look like to be a follower of Jesus. A couple weeks ago we looked at the 12 disciples. And how that was just sort of a hot mess of guys. You had politically left and politically right people. You had educated and uneducated people. You had the hardworking fishermen, and you had sort of a pencil pusher tax collector. You had these guys that just wanted to sort of kill anybody that didn't want to follow them. And then you had these guys that really didn't want to ever make a decision on their own. You had all these guys that Jesus said, I'm going to use you to change the world. And then, last week we looked at what does a disciple, a follower of Jesus, look like? And Jesus, and what does it cost? What does it cost to follow Jesus? And we, we looked at last week how it costs a lot. Jesus says, lay down your life. It, it can't be about you. You've got to pick up your own cross. You've got you've to carry this. You, you, you've got, you, you, it's about laying down who you are and following me. And then we looked at that, and I know some of us, as we heard that, we're like, that's impossible. We looked at how Jesus led through first and how it's a, it really is a matter of trust, but in some of us, it just still landed impossible. Today, we're going to be looking at 
What it means to be a follower of God is, is about trusting him like a child. It's faith like a child. You know, it, it seems so simple. And sometimes we don't like how simple it is to trust Jesus like a child. We, we want work. We want things to do. We want to know, what can I do, Jesus, to earn it from you? You know, as a dad, you know, I, 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 probably some of you guys remember, maybe, maybe you were a kid or at some point you were a kid or me. My kids make me birthday cards and Father's Day cards. And they're going to be up here behind me on the screen. And, and they draw simple pictures. And they're fun. Ezra drew, Joel drew this one. At some point, my son Judah stopped drawing for me. He just signs everybody else's. This one, I think, has a snake, and I have no idea, and a sun. And the next one behind me says, I love you to death. I think. I don't fully know what it says. Just as Ezra was little. It says, Daddy, my wife can read. I don't know, and then this one. My kids didn't need to buy my love. They didn't need to earn it. They didn't need to go get me the coolest, hottest, most awesome thing. They just brought the most simple gift they had. They said, I love you. At what point do we stop doing this and start trying to say, God, what can I do to earn your love? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good and so gracious and so loving. You accept us where we are. You love us in the moments that we are. You love us when we're the ugliest and the prettiest. You love us when we're killing it in life and when we've screwed it all up. Excuse me if that was not appropriate. But Lord, you are loving. And God, no matter where we are, whatever's going on today in our life, whatever we bring into this room, God, I pray if we're bringing in how good we are, how awesome we are, how we figured it all out, may we lay that down. God, if, we've br if we're bringing in our emptiness, Jesus, I pray that we would just lay it at your feet. Jesus, I thank you that you love us in this moment right now. And I ask that you'd speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're continuing our study in Mark. Um, if you have missed it, get onto the podcast, YouTube, and uh, you can catch up. But you're not going to be lost in any way um, because we're just sort of looking at the book of Mark, this big story. And so Jesus is, he's sitting there, he, he's, he's in this, this, this open area, and, and all of a sudden, all these people start bringing their kids to Jesus. And it says in verse 13, and they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. Man, those disciples, those disciples, they were a little pains in the butts. Um, it says, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, he was, he was not happy. And he said to them, permit the children to come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, 
will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. This is also, this account is also, you're going to find it very similar in, in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15, and also in Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. And in those gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Luke, those three, you're going to find that the, the, the rest of the gospels, so many of the stories are almost the exact same, that they follow the same timeline at this point. Before this, you'll see different stories happen at different moments, but from here on, you're going to see this happen. And, and as we, we see this in the story that we see parents and older siblings and probably grandparents and aunts and uncles, and they're bringing their children to be blessed by Jesus. This was a common thing in the, in the Jewish culture where they would bring their children to somebody of authority, to somebody who, who was like a teacher or a rabbi to bless them. This sort of, the first time we really see this was when Jacob blessed um, Manasseh and, and Ephraim. And this was common in their culture. Little side note, what I see here is I see that, that parents are bringing their children to Jesus. And it made me think, what are we bringing, those of you who are parents in here, I'm, I'm going to say to you, or maybe you're an aunt or uncle and you have an offer, or grandma and grandpa. What are you bringing your kids to? Because we bring them to a lot of things, don't we? We bring them to games, we bring them to birthday parties, we bring them to Sky Zone, we bring them to, to whatever, we bring them to church. But what are you bringing them to every day? Like what, what are you making? And, and I see this as, this is important to these parents. This was a priority is what I see here. So what is a priority of what you're bringing your kids to? I'm going to leave that there. For some of you, that's going to be the only thing you're going to think about the rest of the sermon. You're going to think, oh dang. I just bring them to QT and that's about it. I, don't, I take them to church, but I don't bring them. I, I don't bring them to Jesus. So I'm going to leave that there. You, you chew on that. If, you, if that's for you, chew on it. Let it convict. Let it work in your heart and say, I'm going to change that now because I know for me, this is a big moment for me. Even as I put, it's in green. So in green meant it's, it was sort of a, I, it was in my original, but it's like this is a little sidestep. That's a little side note for me. So it seems that the disciples at this moment, they're annoyed. Have you ever been annoyed at people trying to get somebody else's attention? Or maybe you're, you're doing your job and somebody is trying to distract somebody else from doing their job. Have you ever been in that moment and you just, you know somebody is just a distraction and you want to sort of move them away? Maybe it's the kids, you, you, you're, you're, you're trying to do something or whatever, you're, whatever it might be and there's that moment. I'm wondering if, if the disciples are like, Jesus, we're busy, we've got work to do. We've got stuff to get done. And these kids, these parents are bringing their kids, and the disciples are like, no, 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 Jesus doesn't have time for your kids. And then Jesus turns on and says, what? D don't put words in my mouth. Can, can you picture Jesus at this moment? We only see Jesus get irritated at a very few different times. And it's any, it's any time either himself or his dad are misrepresented. Never any other time. It's those moments. Where the love of his father or who he is, anything about his dad or himself, is misrepresented. So at this point, Jesus is being misrepresented as not a loving person. You understand, in this culture, kids did not mean anything in this culture. Kids were just sort of, you had them, if you didn't want it, you didn't have to keep it. Infanticide, 
infanticide was, was a thing where you would take your kids, and if you didn't like your kid or it was deformed in any way or you had an extra one you didn't want, you would leave it outside the city gates and it would die. If it didn't die, it would have to figure life out on its own. That was okay in those days. That was not wrong in that culture. And Jesus is saying, kids are important to me. Kids mean something to me. That's what we see here. And Jesus takes these kids and he gives this illustration of you must believe like this child. You must come to me like this child, like my kids saying, Daddy, I love you. And they bring me a simple piece of paper with a coloring that, I mean, is this the best coloring in the world? Best painting? It is to me. Is it to somebody else? Would somebody pay millions of dollars for it? I mean, I wouldn't. I don't have millions of dollars but it's worth the world to me. That's why I kept it. You see, and these little kids are coming to Jesus with such simple faith. Just simple, they're just coming to him. And Jesus says, in in Matthew chapter 18, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like a little child, you will never get into heaven. He says, you've got to have faith. You've got to come to me simply. It's in your dependence. It's in your helplessness. It's in that, that, vulnerable, that vulnerable state that you come to me. As I said, faith like a child means helpless dependence. That's what it means. It's in our dependence that we become followers of Jesus. So what does that mean to be dependent? What does that mean to come to just have faith like a child? A child comes with nothing. They have nothing to offer other than themselves. They, they come messy. They come dirty. They come crying. They come asking questions. Sometimes they come pushy. They come needy. They come excited and expecting, don't they? Not how a kid comes. They come with this, this, this who knows what, but they just come to you. My kids know they can come to me at any moment. They come. They come to me. At, late at night when we're sleeping, they usually go to mom. Um, because maybe I'm grumpier at night when you wake me up. But in this culture, in that, that culture of those days, you see, they, when they came to coming to God, they wanted to know, okay, God, what, what was going to happen? Like, they came with their questions, too. They came wanting to know, okay, how can I live? What can I do? They, they came wanting, but they came wanting to know, how can I earn it? What can I do better? God, how can I get accepted by you on according to how good I am? You see, Jesus is looking for the simple faith, believe like a child. And at what point do we start thinking we can earn it? At what point do we think, even as an adult, what point do we think that we have it all figured out? We applaud kids for being independent. But how many of your parents are so sad when that happens? When your kid becomes so independent. We applaud it, don't we? I think we applaud the wrong thing. Because God applauds total dependence. Doesn't mean we're lame pieces of junk that can't figure out life. But at some point we try to figure it all out on our own. And then we come to this next part. So Jesus is is speaking about these children and he takes a little walk and it says, and as he was setting out on a journey, he was getting ready to leave this place, a man ran up to him. And knelt down before him. So you got to think. So the disciples just saw Jesus with all these kids. And he's like, kids, i got to go. I really got to go. And so the kids all start to disperse. And they start to go. And Jesus gets ready to get up. And this man comes running. And he comes up to Jesus. And this man says, good teacher, 
what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus turns to me and says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Jesus says, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, meaning cheat, honor your father and your mother. And the man said, teacher, I've kept all those. So we meet this man. We don't know his name. We know he's defined as the rich, young ruler. That's what we know about him. We know that he's wealthy. We know that he's got it all figured out. We know that he's got a name for himself. That everybody knew, probably knew who he was. They probably identified him. They saw him running to Jesus. They're like, what's, what's this guy? What, what does he need? And, and he comes running to Jesus. And he makes this statement that's similar to last week's. He says, good teacher. And Jesus says, wait a minute. But nobody's good except God. And so Jesus is wanting this man to realize, you see, these kids came up to Jesus, they knew who he was. They knew he was someone special. You know when kids just get it? They just get it. They have this faith that it's just, it's just going to happen, it's just going to work. They believe in things that we at some point stop believing in. And I know there's, there's, we, we want our kids to transition and become adults. I'm not saying we don't, but the wonder is lost. And this man comes up to Jesus good teacher. And Jesus says, okay, nobody's good. I wanted to find something. You do realize if you're calling me good, you're calling me God. He's helping him realize this. Okay, you're not, I'm not just good teacher. You're calling me God because only one person is good. Because the word he uses is a word that's really only used for God. And he says, what shall I do? What shall I do? And he bowed down to Jesus. He bowed down. And he thought he could do more. He could do something to earn eternal life. You see, he didn't realize that it was at the feet of Jesus. That's all he needed to do. But you see, he didn't want to know what he needed to do. He didn't want Jesus to be his savior. He wanted Jesus to show him how he could be his own savior. That's what this guy wanted. He didn't want Jesus to, to die or do anything. He said, Jesus... Tell me how I can do it on my own. And Jesus points out, he says, okay, do not murder, do not do this, do not all do all these things. And the guy goes, Jesus, I'm good. He goes, Jesus, look at this. He goes, Jesus, I've done it. I've done it, Jesus, I've done it. I have reached the top. And it says Jesus turned to him with love, with love. And he says to him, okay, the guy's on his high horse, on his ladder, thinking he's reached the top because Jesus just defined all the things. He's like, I've been doing those from my youth. And Jesus turns to him and he says, okay, sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow me. Jesus says, you want to work, you, you want salvation according to your rules and your regulations and how you're going to define it? You want to work according to the do, what must I do? Jesus says, climb that ladder then. If you're a ladder climber, climb the next ladder. You see, the guy thought, man, but look, I've already gotten to this one, I've gotten to the top. And Jesus says, okay, climb that ladder. And so the guy might go down and he says, okay, I'll do that. Climbs that ladder. And then all of a sudden, what is it? It's the next ladder. Climb that ladder. You see, in life, is, and when we try to do things on our own, when we try to, okay, Jesus, what must I do? Okay, what must I do? And that was this man, what must I do? And the kids didn't have to do anything. They just came to him. They just came. They brought 
pictures of whatever. One of them was dad, 150 points, Denver Nuggets, zero. I mean, it was pretty accurate until um, they met the bucks. And this man was so busy climbing ladders when Jesus told him, now climb that one. He looked and he went, I can't. What must I do? He said. And he realized there's never going to be an end to ladder climbing. There's always another bigger ladder. And so it says the man then walked away sad. But at these words, he was saddened and went away grieving. For he was one who had owned much property. You see, Jesus said these words in love because he, Jesus knew that this man was making his wealth God. And how many of us are trying to make Jesus work in our life instead of giving Jesus our life? How many of us are like, okay, Jesus, make this ladder work. Make this one work. Make, make this high enough. Just that, if it's all about how good you are, how much you do, it's never enough. It's never enough. And the man realized he was unwilling to be on level ground like a child. He wanted Jesus to make ladders work. And so many of us, that's what it is in our life. We believe in God, we love God, we love Jesus, but in the end, we're trying to earn it. Okay, Jesus, I look at my, look at my devotional this week. I did, I'm on, I'm on a 165-day streak, Jesus. Aren't I doing good? And then the moment you miss one, you're like, God, I failed you. God's like, well, when did we start climbing ladders again? Whatever happened to, hey, God, I drew you a picture. Instead, we're like, hey, God, I climbed you a ladder. And he said, I never asked you to climb a ladder. I just asked you to come to me. No matter how dirty, no matter how broken. And the man walks away saddened because he wanted Jesus to make that work. He wanted Jesus to make ladder climbing the way to get to God. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, guys, look around. He was looking around. He says, how hard is it for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at Jesus' words. But Jesus answered again, and he said to them, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eyes of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to them, okay, then Jesus, who can be saved? Now remember, Jesus just told us how to get into the kingdom of God. He told us just a few. He just told them like moments before. you got to understand, this wasn't like days and days. This is moments before. He went from kids, believe like a child. You get into the kingdom of God. You get saved by just trusting in me. It's not about a ladder. It's about trusting in me. He says, what must we do? And then Jesus, he's looking at them. Jesus says, with people, it's impossible. In your strength of trying to lay down your own cross, it's impossible. In your strength of trying to do your own thing, it's impossible. In your strength trying to climb ladders, you're going to climb ladders all your life. And once you get to the top of one, you're going to realize it's, there's only another bigger, harder, more difficult one to climb. 
That's what life is. And Jesus says, with people, it's impossible. But all things are possible with God. You see, many times wealth is a distraction from God. And for this man, it was. He said, Jesus says, how hard is it? How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God for the rich. You see, riches tend to make us satisfied with this life here. We start earning more, we start getting more, we start having more, and we're like, man, I'm able to buy what I want. I can get that new truck, or I can finally get that house, or I can finally afford to buy the clothes I want, and we're all of a sudden climbing these ladders, and we finally get that, and we think, man, what wealth does is it makes us comfortable. Doesn't it? How many of you have just gotten comfortable with what you have? You see, it's in that place of not having. When you go to, an, I don't know how many of you have ever been on a mission trip. I know probably many of you haven't. But when you go to a country where the people have nothing, I mean, literally nothing. They sleep on mats. I've, I've been there. I've been to Thailand, India, Mexico, Panama. And I've seen people with nothing. Yet they have more joy than I ever could. Do they have their own issues? Oh, yeah, they do. But wealth isn't a distraction. Now, the desire for it sometimes is. Because I think, because the thing is, in each of us, we think, if I have. But you see, riches tend to make us satisfied with this life instead of longing for the next one. You see, we should be looking forward to heaven. You see, that man, he wasn't really looking forward to heaven. He was just looking forward to the next ladder. Okay, if I climb this, if I just get enough here. But he should have been looking forward to heaven. Because no ladder is ever going to get him there. So the disciples are in awe of this moment, realizing, that, okay, it's, it's only God. It's in our dependence that we become followers of Jesus. You see, this camel, the idea is it's this huge, the biggest animal in Palestine. So it's not, I've heard some preachers say uh, the camel would have to get on its knees and humble itself and go through this small doorway. No, Jesus is speaking specifically about, an animal, about a camel, big animal, and a needle, something you sew with. And the impossibility. It's not about humbling oneself and getting through a small little door. It's about the impossibility of getting a camel through the eye of a needle. Because if you can do it on your own by just being humble enough, yeah, that, that's nice. Then the, guy, then the ladder climbing is the right thing to go. But Jesus says, no, no. Try to get an, a camel through the eye of a needle. It's never going to work. Never going to work. Jesus made it possible by dying on a cross for us. You see, entering the kingdom of God in our own strength is impossible. Following Jesus in our own strength is impossible. Living this life in our own strength is impossible. But Jesus said, for all things are possible with God. Because what God does is he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we might live the impossible through him. That we realize it's not about ladder climbing, it's about simple, humble dependence on him. That helpless dependence of God, I can't. God, I can't. 
Now, how do we do this? It's a daily thing of, okay, God, I'm, I'm realizing I'm doing this. It's a trusting in God, whether it's your time on a Sunday morning, your time in the week when you see a need. It's trusting in God with your finances, going, God, I know my money is tight, but God, I'm going to trust you in this. It's trusting in God at work, going, God, I know that my work is trying to get me to do something I shouldn't, but God, I'm going to trust you. I might lose my job, but I'm going to trust you in this. You see, Paul talked about this in, in the, the book of Philippians. There's a guy named Paul who was this, he was like this rich young ruler, but even more better, even way more righteous, even way more like, he, he's on the orange ladder, Paul. Paul was orange ladder guy. You know, you have rich young ruler is the, the second white ladder. You've got rich young ruler. Paul is like all the way up at the top. And Paul is, if I had my Bible, I'd climb all the way to the top, but I don't have time. Um, next service, I will. So I'll, climb, I'll have my Bible next service all the way up there. Paul says this. But whatever things were counted to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them rubbish. That word rubbish means a big pile of, yes, it's not, it's not like a, it's, it's a stronger word than just saying poop. It's, the, it's like, it's a, it's a very strong word. So that I may gain Christ. He said, everything I thought of value, all my ladder climbing, all my wealth, all my knowledge was just a big pile of poo. He says, but I counted as loss when I gained Christ. He says, and may, that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, simple faith like a child. Don't children have such simple faith? Simple trust? Like my son walking in a parking lot, putting his hand in my hand. That simple faith, that simple trust, that's just knowing my dad is right there and God said, why did you ever let go? When did ladder climbing become a thing when all I want is your simple faith. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You see, it's in our dependence. It's in our helpless dependence. It's in that state of realizing I can't that we become followers of Jesus. It's in that simple place. So I ask you, have you been climbing a ladder? Do you need to get down and come and say, God, I don't want to climb ladders anymore. I just want to walk with you. But help me, because I'm struggling. Heavenly Father, we all can be ladder climbers. We all can try to figure it out on our own. Thank you. Jesus, I ask that you'd help each and every one of us to be dependent on you, to trust in you. 
Jesus, I ask that you would help each and every one of us in this room to get off the ladder and to come before you like little children. I don't know if there's somebody in here, but your life, you've never even, you've never come to Jesus before. And maybe you're like this rich young ruler. You've, you've been trying to prove yourself to God. You've, maybe you grew up in, in a, a home like a, or even in a religion. There's, there's Catholic and Mormon and so many religions that all, are all about ladder climbing. Even Christianity, even in a Christian home of being told about Jesus, you can be raised to be a ladder climber. You think, man, if I just climb high enough, if I just work hard enough, and maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. And today it's time to get off the ladder and to follow him. And if that's you this morning, I ask that you pray with me. say, dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for letting your son Jesus die for me. God, I ask that you would help me stop being a ladder climber. God, help me to trust you. I ask that you forgive me. Forgive me of my, sh- my sins and my shame. Set me free. And help me to live for you now. Jesus, I ask for all of us in here, maybe we've been following you and we've been ladder climbers. Jesus, I know it's, un- it's uncomfortable for us because maybe we feel like we've gotten pretty high on the ladder. We feel like we- we've gotten pretty close to what you- we think you want. Jesus, but it has nothing to do with ladder climbing. You never asked us to be ladder climbers. You asked us to just trust you like a child. So Jesus, I, I-, I don't know where we're at, but I pray that we would all analyze, sort of look at our own selves and step off our ladders and start following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. If you want to learn more about what's going on at City View, download our City View app through the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find everything from special events, outreach opportunities, and additional resources all in one centralized location. Links are in the description below. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.